1: Hey everyone. Okay, before we get to BSBOT today, sports are back. I don't need to tell you that, right? You knew that already. So let me give you the breakdown. The Athletic is actually offering 40% off. I This is supposed to be an ad, but it says you can hear, you can say whatever you want. So it's 40% off. You know what we do at the Athletic. We have the podcast, Bushwitch Breakaway, obviously. Our good friend Rick Carpinello, our good friend Shayna works here. And there's a lot of great coverage for a lot of great sports. So if you want 40% off, the Athletic today, all you got to do is go to theathletic.com slash BSB and make sure BSB is lowercase because if it's capital, you're going to go to a page that says, yo, nothing here. Nothing's here. You can't sign up, but if you do it, theathletic.com slash BSB, making sure it's lowercase. You can get 40% off an annual subscription and that's like $3 a month. So for a cup of coffee, pretty much a nice cup of coffee, by the way, you can get access to a ton of awesome stories, tons of great reporting and some exclusive podcasts and other content. So Theathletic.com slash BSB, all lowercase, 40% off your annual subscription. It's how we're celebrating sports, being back here at The Athletic. And uh, let us know if you signed up. That'd be super cool. I'd like to know. uh, Let me know on Twitter at Orion Mead. I'll give you a shout-out, and thanks so much for supporting us. Theathletic.com slash BSB, all lowercase. Let's get to game recap. Hey, BSB, some number. Games, 3 and 4, Vancouver, 1994. Stanley Cup finals, New York Rangers, the Brian Leach show, and also a bloodbath of epic proportions. Gregory, welcome back to the recap.
0: Before we get into the recap, mm-hmm. we'd be remiss. Today was a, just a roller coaster for your boy here, all right? started start out poorly. Oh,
1: we're doing a Monday show. Okay.
0: Got, got a really good Well, I'm just going to we're just going to go through this quickly. We're okay. in about 5 minutes on this and then we'll get into the game. 5.
1: Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, let's
0: make too. It, it it's a long it, it's a it's a long short story. Okay. Uh so playing the ponies today. Shout out to Oh my god. This is the
1: Vancouver Recap uh, Recap podcast. We can't the do that. No, hold on. It gets it gets good. All okay. right, it gets good. Okay, I believe it. It gets you. good.
0: All right. Uh it it was The world's most frustrating day of horse racing I've ever seen in my life. Through the first eight races of the day, (laughs) I won two of them, Ryan, Uh and finished second in five others. So I had exactly zero dollars to my name going into the final race of the day. I hate to see it. Hate to see it. Hit big on the final race of the day. Just like the Vancouver Canucks. I feel invincible. I feel utterly invincible after hitting big. On this last race of the day, uh-huh. within 30 seconds of me hitting big on the last race of the day, Marcus Stroman tears a muscle. in his I
1: life. knew I I somehow knew on the exclusive <laughs> Vancouver 94 recap, we were going to do Mets and horse racing. I just knew <laughs> like, there's no uh, I, that's what
0: this podcast is about. We, we sometimes talk about hockey, but we're a Mets podcast that covers horse racing that masquerades as a hockey podcast.
1: Yes, uh, that's it. So let let's get into it, shall we? What are your, what are your feelings on the Marcus Stroman <laughs> IL deal? It's
0: it's a tough hang. Yeah, I guess we can go into yeah. it on Monday. I'll yeah. have more thoughts then. We will. But uh, I, it's it's a tough hang. You couple that with Mookie Betts signing an extension today, and it was a tough day for the Steve Cohen Mets.
1: Sports are back, and so will the end of uh, usually what we do to. Not do all the Mets and all the horse racing and all the other sports up front is we'll usually do the main part of the show, then the interview, and then we'll come back and talk, talk all other sports. Because then you could just stop listening if you'd like, but Greg and I can talk about whatever. Uh, in this case, let's actually talk about games three and four. These games were insane. And I saw you tweet earlier that these games were hardly hockey games, and I have to agree with you.
0: The it- game three specifically. Game, game four was more of a hockey game. But game, game three, I wouldn't, that wasn't hockey what they were playing. I'm not i don't know if it's the dirtiest game i've ever seen because i'm sure there's something i'm not thinking of in the moment that may have been dirtier or one of those games with the 70s and 80s philadelphia flyers that or you know the game where the boston bruins went into the stands and started hitting fans with skates maybe maybe one of those maybe that was a bad Uh, one Mm, interesting (laughs) but but in terms of stanley cup final games that i've watched in my lifetime Game three is one of the filthiest, dirtiest, disgusting displays of ice hockey I've ever seen. And this isn't just the Canucks. It goes both ways. The, oh, the Rangers man. were pulling shit that is, would have been hard to get on a podcast and defend if we were doing a podcast in 1994. Uh,
1: there's some stuff that gets pulled by some Rangers where it's like, and I have to tell you, especially Mark Messier, in my opinion. that Oh, Mess-
0: Messier Messier is pulling out all the tricks god love brian leach and i know we're probably going to go on about a 25 minute yeah that'll be the rest uh, of this podcast circle jerk of brian leach here but he spears someone on the canucks in the third (laughs) period i thought the stick was going to go through the guy i legit thought he penetrated that man's
1: colon with his stick it's uh there's a lot so let's just get to it game three right right off the rip so Pavel Bure in the la- in the first two games, as we recapped last week on last week on last week's episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway OT, um, was kind of invisible. And in this game, he comes out real hot. Just just Well, they they
0: explained they finally explained why he was invisible. He had the flu. Yeah, No yeah. one wanted to talk about the fact that Pavel Bure was sick as a dog in New York for some reason on either broadcast. Uh and we opened game three. I don't know which feed you got. I got MSG back for games three and four. I did, so and I, I, I have had...
1: some complaints, so let's just get into it right away. I don't know well, what... B- no, but before, before, before
0: that, it's. I just think it's important to point out we were critical of Pavel Bore last week, mm-hmm. and immediately John Davidson comes on air and says, uh, Damn it. Canucks people say Pavel Bore had one of the worst flus they've ever seen, and he had no power whatsoever in his legs. So <laughs> he was basically playing like a zombie, and that makes up for the fact that we came on this podcast last week and said... Pavel Boré looks like a zombie out there. Well, uh, now we know why. Because uh, he was.
1: Pavel Boré comes out and puts his name on the series immediately by scoring a, a goal, like in the first minute and three seconds. Uh, it's, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's like, oh, wow, I came to play. I'm back. Uh,
0: he's so, he's so prime Boré's. He's
1: actually incredible. sick in this series. It's really hard to, like, Notice anybody else on the Vancouver team? I mean, there's other well, people there's, that really. There's like... no
0: one really. To, there's no one really else to notice. That's part of. That's part of what makes this team. I think so Linden weird. stands out sometimes. Well, tre- Trevor Linden's it. Uh, Cliff Ronning is here or there, but in terms of star power, in what we define, the Devils had far more star power than this Canucks team did. It, they this Canucks team offensively is two players. It's Pavel Borey and Trevor Linden. That's it.
1: That's really it. And Pavel bore comes out scores a goal puts the Vancouver right in the map the the stadium is rocking it's like oh wow uh, the Rangers are going to be in trouble here and then who gets them what? back into the game but old Brian Leach. Well, before, I just I want to talk about um, the broadcast
0: for a second okay I we do go too into so the let's get let's of do the game it. itself uh, were you as thrown off as I was with the benches being on the opposite side of the ice that we're familiar seeing.
1: Yes, I was. The benches
0: – so normally, as, as everybody knows, normally the center ice shot, you see the benches on the far end of the ice. But for some reason, in these Vancouver games, the benches were closest to the camera, which means when the, the coaches and the players' backs were to the cameras at all times. It just – I don't know if I liked it. I don't know if I hated it. It just completely threw me off guard, and I was – it was jarring to see. It was
1: just, it was strange. It was particularly like I don't really know how to react to this, but I got over it pretty quickly. Whatever MSG did with the audio, because I'm kind of an audiophile doing the podcast and everything at this point for five years and editing every goddamn week. They whatever they did with the audio, and I don't know if this was the case for you or if it was just like the recording of the DVD I got. But was the audio really crappy for you over and over again? Like would it cut out? Would it do like like really static noises and stuff like that? Um.
0: When play was happening, no, the audio was fine. Whenever they cut away Uh, or they cut away
1: to MSG any anytime
0: anytime they went to MSG, I don't I (laughs) I I don't know what they were trying to do. I I just don't think technology was it wasn't good enough. Anywhere near what it is today. But yeah, anytime they tried to do they tried to do a live shot into MSG and it would blow out everybody, including it would blow out the fans first, yep, and then they'd go back to Sam and J D and it would blow them out for a solid ten seconds. And then at one point, I think in the second or third period, they threw it to Al Troutwig, who was trying to do an yes. interview with Brian Leach's parents in yes. stands. It and it like was shit. so bad that they literally cut away from it, being like, well, you got the gist of what he was trying to say. I was like, Al Troutwig didn't even have time to ask a question. You cut
1: away from it so quickly. <laughs> it was brutal. It was awful. Can I? I all right. I'm going to say something, and we've said it before. Now that I've listened to JD for a couple more games, I'm really happy he's a president and not a broadcaster. I'm I'm. really. I'm not thrilled. Was... I'm gonna go
0: the other way here, man. Really, I'm go the other way. I like that you're doing yeah. this. I I enjoy JD. He cut back on the whoa babies. I don't know if it was because uh, he got a note. It was a bit of a desk. blowout. It wasn't. A, it wasn't that close of a game. Kirk, Mc... we're gonna. We gotta get into Kirk McLean. Apparently, going from Batman to like oh, the Riddler in two seconds. That's a dis- uh,
1: insult to the Riddler. Like yes. a serious insult.
0: You kind of stunk. I'm just saying. But right. I, I I enjoy JD. JD would throw nuggets in there. I. JD throughout the entire game kept saying how this game was one hit away from becoming a bloodbath instead of acknowledging the fact that the game itself was already a bloodbath.
1: Yeah. And I thought he, that he was a little funny. In the, in but the, by I, the end of the third period, he's like, Whoa, they you know, it's the, they're up five, one or they're up four. Yeah. They, yeah <laughs> the amount of times he said, you gotta be careful. Gotta
0: be careful. Gotta watch out here. Uh, but I, I like JD. I like that from him. I, uh, I miss Gary Thorne. I'm not gonna lie. Now now that I've been this exposed to Gary Thorne in playoff hockey, I I don't dislike Sam. It's just not the same. I just I just want more Gary Thorne.
1: Gary's the GOAT. I really, he was incredible. Uh it's uh, JD, I don't know what it was. I think maybe the first two games I just got kind of annoyed by the whoa babies, and every anytime he said it, I kinda like rolled my eyes. And I know that's like blasphemy as a Ranger fan, but it was kinda like I, I felt there was still times well, sometimes where you I wonder if
0: it. I wonder if I wonder if some of this from you comes from your with I I I don't think the Tampa Bay Rays have like a, no, a Homer-ish analyst, right? That right. does play by play for them. You're not really a Yankee fan, so you never got in the Yankee games. You're and not I, really a Met fan, so you never got really in the Yankee The Yankee games. booth
1: really bothers me, period. So yeah,
0: but like as someone so your main exposure to your favorite sports team playing is Joe Micheletti, who does a really good job of calling. I, I understand right. a lot of people's gripes with Joe Micheletti, but at the end of the day, he does a really good job of calling it down the middle. He does. He's not a Homer uh, broadcaster. And JD's a bit more of a Homer broadcaster. I mean, at some point in this game, he, he, uh, he singled out Antoski and said how that was a wasted first round pick. I was like, God damn JD. That man has a kid. Uh, but like JD, part of hearing him reminds me of what it sounds like to listen to uh, Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling a little bit. So maybe, maybe that's where my appreciation comes from, but uh, he's, I mean, he's, he's a Homer broadcaster, but he does it in a entertaining
1: way. I think he's charming and I'm not going to say that, but I just think he's, I'm happy he's a president and not a broadcaster anymore because I believe as a hockey president, he's absolutely one of the best out there. And as a broadcaster, I think he's above average or very good, whereas I think yeah, it's, he's better suited to the role he is now. It's
0: tough. Uh, I think JD, J.D. breaks down things in a more Rangers-centric way that I find enjoyable than Bill Clement. But if I had to choose between having Sam and J.D. in the booth or Gary Thorne and Bill Clement, I'd take Gary Thorne and Bill Clement. Yeah, And I, I know that's blasphemous to some
1: people. Uh, Bill Clement is just like Joe micheletti light. To be fair, well, that's because he sounds exactly they, like they, i am convinced they're the same person. I really am. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, but I, to 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 JD's
0: credit, he does a better job of like breaking down specific plays uh, better than Bill Clement did in any of the games. Bill Clement does. But it's the the amount to which I miss Gary Thorne in these two games is immeasurable.
1: So Pat LeBury comes out, scores in the first minute and three seconds right away uh, from Trevor Linden. He's just on display. Then the Brian Leach show starts, and this continues for two games. It's nonstop. Um, he's a beast. He's a monster. He's a beast. I, I don't even know how to describe. But, like, I, I'm looking at this first period goal, and I just watched the games an hour and a half ago, and I don't even remember what it was because Brian Leach has done so much in these two games. It's, like hard, you're, it's pretty much like, hey, remember the entirety of the two games? Because that's Brian Leach. He plays in a way... Do you notice that Brian Leach like takes breakaways like a lot? Like,
0: <laughs> there's, there's yeah. I mean, he gets, we're not up to game uh, game four yet, but right. he gets stonewalled on a breakaway by Kirk McLean as well. I just the the main takeaways I have from this game. Number one, man, Brian Leach. <laughs> we, we've run out of adjectives <laughs> to describe the play of Brian Leach throughout this podcast. Totally I sick. don't have them now. That dude is a monster. Uh, it. The, the new york rangers would not have won the state uh, no shit the new york rangers would not have won the stanley cup without brian leach but i like you could make an argument that he's just the most you, he's the one guy the rangers couldn't have done without maybe mike richter number two but as much as i love adam graves and his complete new york rangers resume In- rangers could have won the series Invisible. without adam graves as Invisible as much as so Mark. Far. As, as much as Mark Messier has created a folklore about this 1994 Stanley Cup run, I think the Rangers could have won without Mark Messier. If you take Brian Leach away from this team, there's a chance Cook. not only that they don't win the Cup, I don't know how they make the playoffs
1: without Brian Leach. He's incredible. And the one thing that really is the most impressive, to at least to me, is this guy has had like 40 minutes of ice time multiple times. And he's out there. Yep. He's out there out out ice timing Pavel Bure in game four. He outdives him in game three by a lot for obvious reasons. Obvious reasons we're going to get to in two seconds,
0: but yeah, we should, we should make, we should make note that Sergei Zuboff does not play in game three. Right. So not only, not only is Brian Leach already the Rangers, most important player, you take away their second most important defenseman all while Kevin Lowe is still very clearly playing with some kind of shoulder problem as well. Right. It's basically a one man defensive unit for the New York Rangers and, And what does Brian Leach do? He goes out there and scores two goals.
1: Leach is just sh- double shifted all the time. He's constantly just, but he, ne- he never tires. I don't understand. His conditioning is like endless. I-, I don't know if you, like, I. the only way I can describe this, the only player I've seen in my day uh, covering the Rangers in the last five years that does this is sort of Artemi Panarin, where he never stops moving. You know, that, you know that kind of thing where like the motor just seems to always go? It's the same way with Brian Leach, but Brian Leach is another level and he's bigger than Artemi Panarin and he goes through people and he's playing a lot more minutes than Artemi Panarin and he, he's just doing everything. It's absolutely insane. So let's get to the bloodbath part of this, shall we? Um...
0: Yeah, it's not great.
1: There's like 26 penalties. If you look at the penalty summary, I I, I'm not gonna count them, but it's literally 20. And it's it's a
0: mess. It's a mess. It
1: is, and there are some reasons to call some penalties. They don't call all of them. There are a lot of like tripping and high sticking and some slashes they do not call.
0: But that it's funny how many times Sam and JD casually mention the penalties that uh, a player is hooking another player, but they do it in a way. In which they don't expect that to be called uh-huh. as if hooking isn't a penalty? Definitely is.
1: And a game actually in game uh in game four, they go, Well, he's offside. So like, well, the striped guy didn't say it, so I don't know if he was. <laughs> like, it's constant. They're just calling the game right. And the refs are not doing anything. But so game three, this happens. Tavel Bure, um pretty much does a spinning elbow, like a flying spinning elbow. Why am I forgetting on who he did it to? It was
0: It was Jay Wells.
1: There you go. Jay Wells. Uh, hits J. Wells. Wells.
0: The only reason J. Wells is playing again is because Z- Sergei Zubov is injured.
1: Right. J. Wells gets hit directly under the jaw by a flying um, elbow that also turns into like a, kind of like a stick hit on upon the Well, replay. The, the
0: stick hit him on the bridge of the nose.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Like I think he meant to throw an elbow, but he threw the elbow so violently that the stick went up with him. And the stick just goes right across Wells's face.
1: Right, and it looks like uh, almost like a Dragon Ball Z anime moment where he someone gets punched so hard they like do a 360 and then fall on the ground and like dust falls. That's exactly what happens to Jay Wells. And right away they like call a game, not a game misconduct, but they call it a penalty. And then the whole stadium, like you could just feel the refs like, do we have to call this game misconduct on <laughs> um, Pavlbery? Their only chance for Vancouver to win this game, and they end up doing it. He gets a 10 minute and a game misconduct, so Pavlbery leaves the game. And then this game becomes uh I think the Vancouver Canucks know they're not winning this game without Pavel Burry, and they turn it into a absolute like just roughhouse fest.
0: Yeah, we should make note that again, this game was already rough before this penalty it, happened. It was, yes. It, it, there was a lot of there was a lot of face mugging, there was a lot of just tackling. I, I can't even call them checks, like legit players jumping on other players backs to drive drag them down and looking at you. Uh, Mark Messier a couple times. Dude, Mark, um, Mark is we,
1: dirty as hell, these two series. Yeah, we'll get, two we'll get to game
0: three when Mark Messier nearly uh, four, killed yeah, a man yeah. as well. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, game four. Yeah. But the, the crazy thing is when the Boré penalty happens, it's a 1-1 game. And it's late in the first period, under two minutes to it's go. It's also off a of so, face-off.
1: Like, it's strange.
0: Yeah, It and it was right in front of the Rangers bench. Everything about the play doesn't make any sense. And yet it happened. But it, it it's... You can tell that the entire game changed right in that moment. I for it at the same time. Listen, it was the right call. I I, know, I understand that referees in the nineteen nineties apparently would have <laughs> let just about anything and everything go. Yes, but I don't know how you see that play and you don't give a, a guy a game misconduct these days. That would have been a three-game suspension. Oh, like yeah. It's, it's it's blatant. It's dirty, and it had to be called. And Bore is the one player the Canucks cannot lose um as as much as I like Trevor Linden it's very clear that Pavel Bore the one guy that team cannot afford to get off the ice he gets off the ice and the Canucks immediately give up a power play goal to none other than my guy Glenn Anderson who I still hate who by the way stinks
1: Stinks. he stinks (laughs) he stinks I in in game four he misses like he it's a a blatant two-on-one and Glenn Anderson sits there and just takes his time winding up he stinks
0: he stinks. I, I, it's a, a, it's important for us to mention, by the way, when this game started, Alexei Kovalev was once again not on not Mark Messier's the, line to start there. the game. And uh, this was the first time I've ever heard any of the Rangers announcers make mention of Chateau Bow Wow because that's where Alexei Kovalev ended up immediately after turning the puck over once. And he, play- wow. he he barely <laughs> played in the first or second period. The, the guy who is... On a on a tear, on an absolute hot streak for the New York Rangers. Play playing uh, maybe
1: the best of any Ranger not named Brian Leach benched yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Single.
0: What? The second most important player from game seven against the uh Devils and was the second best player from what we saw in the first two games against the Canucks. And he's immediately he's immediately not out there with it's I get it. He's a young he was a young player who was prone to making mistakes at the same time, Ryan. hmm
1: talented mark
0: messier you were getting the best out of mark messier when alexei kovalev was playing next to him at even strike so at some point you have to just swallow your pride admit the fact that this kid is going to make mistakes if it means that you're going to get better performances from your most important offensive player which is mark messier you just take that bullet you take the good with the bad because the good is better than the bad in this instance and yet every time mike keenan is like you know what we need to do here glenn anderson playing next to Mark Messier. That's what this team needs. It's unbelievable. Jeez, I, I don't thanks. I don't understand it. I don't understand Mike Keenan's rationale. And then immediately, Kovalev makes one mistake, and all of a sudden he's on a line with Joey Koser and Greg Gilbert going up against the brutes of the Vancouver Canucks. What do you expect Alexei Kovalev to do on a checking line? you ain't going to check. That's not his fucking game. He's a it's skill still, player. I, I just, so it's unbelievable. Stupid. I just, for the life of me, for the life of me ryan i do not understand
1: mike keenan so i did see that mike keenan is on twitter and i was gonna be like you should come on and talk to us
0: (laughs) yeah he should he'd be the first guest we'd have i'd literally be like bro what's the problem
1: yeah we have to like what were you he'd thinking be like, oh, yeah. do you regret any of that <laughs> he'd be like no we but the, the thing is
0: he's gonna say no because yeah, yeah. it ends up working for him that's right. the thing now like it's it's hard it's really hard to sit here and be like what the fuck is this guy doing because we know how the series ends it ends with the rangers raising the stanley cup in uh, seven games yeah but, oh by the way that we're going to be finished with four games at this point and the rangers are up three games to one.
1: Oh. so what and, the by, hell? and by the way and i think this is super important to notice um, in the end of game one, which was brutal, Brian Leach hits the crossbar right before the Rangers lose. This series is a crossbar shot away from being a sweep. Literally yep. a sweep.
0: Yep, in spite of everything Mike Keenan did. I just, I don't know how going into this game, tied 1-1 after the performance Alexei Kovalev had in game two, that you would ever think to yourself to start the game without Kovalev on Messier's line. It's and then bonkers. within seconds of the game starting... Immediately put Kovalev and glue him to the bench.
1: It doesn't make sense. It's like that was the guy that got you here. That was the dude who yeah, did it. it.
0: Oh. It's it's funny that Kovalev gets the last goal in this game. Oh, by the way, from another absolutely was
1: it? I, it, was Graves. it was Graves. Hold on, I, I need it. I need
0: I know I need to look now. Oh, the penalty because no. Uh, in game, I'm just jumping to game four real quick. Okay. Oh, it was it was it was game four where. Leach has an absolutely insane play to set up Kovalev. Only. Oh, the
1: the uh, the Leech past the Kovalev is sweet well, money.
0: It's not even. We'll, we'll get there. Okay. I, I don't want to. I don't want <laughs> to go there yet. We'll get there. But it's it's it, it really is mind boggling the lineup decisions Mike Keenan makes on a just game to game basis. So the, some it's, of the goals,
1: the goals that let's just get to the goaltending, shall we? Um, that Kirk, are the, the goals the, <laughs> horrendous. The Kirk McClay goals are so bad. They are, under, there are three of them. Two of them I don't understand. Like, the physics don't make any sense to me. One of them just, like, plops in? Like, was it the Larmer one? I think it might be. Uh, Larmer won in game well, four. Well, I think... Yeah. Well, the,
0: the first goal from Brian Leach, he was shooting it into the boards on the side of the netting, and it took some weird bounce off McLean's stick that sent it through McLean's legs like, and yeah. into the goal.
1: It's like, huh, what I, I, d-
0: I didn't understand it. And then it was the Larmer goal where it was another one where it looked like Larmer was trying to center the puck and it kind of just and McLean played in, right? it in a way where it somehow again ended up between his legs and in the goal.
1: Brutal, brutal. And we, this, this we happens spent, again at game four.
0: Yeah, we spent so much time praising Kirk McLean last week being like, who the hell is this guy? Where the hell did he come from? I was gonna go to sleep haunted by Sam Rosen screaming "Save McLean" every night, and then this game happens, and I'm like, "Holy shit, he's a scrub! He he literally looked like (laughs) Ranger him a couple years later. He looked like he didn't want to be there. He looked gassed. His body language was that of like a scared child. He was miserable. And the most surprising part of this, at no point did uh, Newt Gingrich look like Pat Quinn pull him.
1: It's weird that he didn't do that, right? Because even JD and um, and Sam were like, "Hey, he's played a lot of games. He's played every game for the Vancouver Canucks this playoffs. Maybe, the, maybe it's time to pull him." Even a yeah. game, even a game the, four, they say it again.
0: And and to put it in perspective, the the weird shouldn't have been a goal. Steve Larmer goal right. happened within the first minute of the third period. So, the Rangers at that point are up four to one. Mm-hmm. There's no Pavel Bore. Yep. the Canucks for the entire evening. Have decided that they'd rather trade punches than trade shots. Well, now the I don't Hill know why begins. if you're Pat Quinn at that point, why not just take him out then? They just Give start the entire beating period the off
1: the shit out of each other for the next entire period. The entire third yeah. period is like that. There's endless hits. I, 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 I know the Kevin Lowe throw, like the suplex, is in, is it game four? There, there's just. Jeff Boom. by the way, I have, a, I have a new respect for, especially after these couple games. That dude is a pest an absolute best hits everybody and is a, a, a quite the partner for Brian Leach and just goes out there and just gets, gets it done. <laughs> he just goes and causes all these hits. He has two, two secondary assists in this game. Like this was, this is what I would say. Like is the Jeff Boogaboom game of what the two games or the two series have been so far. It's the one time I felt like he's truly shined. Um,
0: I, I think he's played very well
1: throughout. He's been solid. I
0: think, well, I, no, I think the thing that Jeff Bookaboom does well is he understands Brian Leach is going to do everything. Yeah, that's so a good all point. he has to do is defend. Mm-hmm. Like, Jeff Bookaboom was a perfect partner for Brian Leach because at no point did Jeff Bookaboom feel like he had to carry the load of that parry. He understood what his role was and he played it perfectly. And this is th- that I'm sure someone, if they wanted to take that out of context, sounds like a complete and utter uh, smack. Right. on Jeff Bukaboom, it's not. That dude is the perfect playing partner for Brian Leach because he let Brian beat Leach be as creative as he wanted to. Like, I can't imagine what a line would have looked like if it was Leach and Zubov because both of them need the puck at all times in order to create the magic that that creates. So it's perfect that Leach is playing with a defenseman. He knows we'll have his back defensively. He knows that if Leach pinches up, Bukaboom will be back there to clean up the mess, no problem. Jeff Bookaboom allows Brian Leach to play carefree. And while that is sometimes like it's basically what the Rangers think they're doing with Mark Stahl and Tony D'Angelo, except Tony D'Angelo can't see the game like Brian Leach can, and Mark Stahl can't defend like Jeff Bukaboom. That's that's like that that idea of a defensive pairing makes sense, but it's Leach and Bookaboom perfecting it. So, yeah, Bookaboom shows up on the stat sheet this game. But I would say throughout the entire two series we've done, with the exception of the game, that Bookaboom got suspended because he tried to murder Stefan Richet. Uh, dude has just been the perfect playing partner for Brian Leach. Absolutely perfect.
1: So, what's us uh, We want to go to game four now? I feel like we've touched on everything. It's just the bloodbath. Anything we missed on game three? Uh,
0: I, I, if anyone wants to go back and rewatch game three, we are not underselling. We're not underselling. How disgustingly dirty. No, the entire thing. You know thing. what? Screw it. I'll count them right now. First period. Uh, let's see. Tremendous podcasting. <laughs>
1: 12,
0: 12, 12 penalties in the first period, uh, if you include the two penalties given the power of boring at the same time. 15 penalties after the second period. Yep. And then this 23.
1: Yep.
0: 23 total <laughs> penalties called in this game. And this is... A playoffs where many times we have come on here and said the refs have swallowed their whistles. They're not calling anything. So the fact that the refs felt inclined to call 23 penalties in this game speaks to how just utterly disgustingly
1: dirty this game was. Filthy. Before we get to game four, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Hey, you heard the ad on Monday, but now I'm back to do it alone without Greg. Grab your peanuts because baseball is back, baby. That's right. The boys will be getting back on the diamond out this week. Opening night is tonight, I think, as as you're listening to this. And while we may not be able to join them in the stadium, there's plenty of action to be had in the comfort of your home. There's no better place to get in the action than DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To celebrate baseball coming back, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering free bets for every home run your team hits. Every home run your team hits. If you're a Yankee fan, that's good. Taking advantage of the Grand Slam offer is easy-peasy, easy, easy, easy. All you have to do is place a pregame bet on at least $25 on your home team for every home run that they hit. In a game, and you'll get $5 worth free bets. Additionally, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering all new users a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't worry baseball is in your game, DraftKings offers great odds and promotions on all sportsbooks, ranging from MMA to basketball. DraftKings Sportsbook is U.S.-based, making it safe, secure, and reliable. Plus, it's easy to deposit and withdraw your funds whenever you want. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use the code QUICK for when you sign up. That, For a limited time, all new users can use a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's code QUICK to get set a, a, your sign-up bonus up to $1,000 only at DraftKingsSportsbook.com. plus must be 21 years older or older to play. New Jersey only bonus compromise, a first deposit bonus, a first bet match each. Up to $500. deposit bonus requires 25X playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call one engine gambler. And support for Blue Shirts Breakley comes from, you guessed it, Manscaped, who is the best in below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. That's right, Manscaped. Big news, Manscaped just launched in Canada. For those listeners in Canada, you could can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric... Electric hair trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and have their new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features cutting-edge ceramic plates to reduce manscaping accidents. It goes up to 700 RPMs with the motor quiet stroke. That's a trademarked, by the way, quiet stroke technology. All right, get free shipping and 20% off. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code The Athletic 20 at Manscaped.com. That's right, theathletic 20 at Manscaped.com with free shipping. At manscaped.com, use the code THEATHLETIC20, and a limited time subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and a patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC20. Back to BSBOT. Wow, great from the sponsors of Blue Shirts Breakaway. Thank you so much. Now Was the,
0: it, it lawnmower 3.0? Is he back? It was. It was. Ah! Oh, yeah. God, it, that, it, ball, it, that ball traded. Gotta draft, love them. And DraftKings.
1: All right. Uh, oh, I know uh, the, the big, the big two. From the what big, I <laughs> that's what we call it at the athletic, the big two uh, the uh, or the set. I don't know what I'm doing here. All right. Um, mm-hmm. Game four, a little yep. bit of a different of a game, not a bloodbath. Rangers absolutely pretty much destroy this game too. Um, but it is, it is a little bit closer. So Vancouver comes out strong in this game, right? Like right away. Yep. Uh, it's still a little bit more, it's still chippy, there's, there is like holding and there is like high sticking going on everywhere, a little bit of elbowing, but Trevor Linden scores on the PowerPoint in the first period. And then Cliff Ronning has a great goal all from Pavel Bure, by the way, Pavel Bure oh, yeah. like totally uh, breaks down the Rangers defense and uh, pulls a couple moves to get right in front of Richter to set up Cliff Ronning for a goal. Very similar to a Brian Leach goal. That's coming up. Um, yeah, I will. I will.
0: I will say though, uh, this is the one time where with- Mike Keenan wanted to be harsh on Alexei Kovalev, I would have understood it. Like, Kovalev is basically... A JD goes off on him in the call of the game. Mm-hmm. But Kovalev, for the second time in the last fifth... Alexei Kovalev, for the most part, from what I've learned watching these games, doesn't like to back-check because he didn't do it against the Devils that led to a goal, and then he doesn't do it here, and it leads to a goal. So, body. like, if you, wanna, if you want to be critical of Alexei Kovalev in that moment... I wouldn't be allowed to say anything to sway you differently. I would still say, though, that the good outweighs the bad, and I would take it every time. But, yeah, it it was incredible seeing this because Bore, it, it, he's just incredible. Like,
1: yeah, he's the play he makes
0: leading up to this goal, he steals the puck away from Leach in one, one end, uh, does a perfect tic-tac-toe pass to just a random human being standing on the boards that basically allows Boré to do everything himself. Shout out to Sergey Zubov who played Boré just about as perfectly as you could one-on-one to prevent Boré from scoring himself, but because everyone was so enthralled by what Boré was doing, it just left Cliff Ronning completely open in front of the net with basically nothing for Richter to do except let it in. And we should also mention that this goal happens mere minutes after Mark Messier tried to end someone's life and get a uh, five-minute major himself for boarding.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, Mark Messier attempts murder. Uh, there's no other way to put it.
0: And yeah, it's it's a disgusting hit. And, there's no defending
1: it. And you could say that, well, it looks like the guy over-exaggerated because it doesn't look that hard. Mark Messier puts his face into the boards. That's it. Yeah. From behind. Yep. Like, hardcore. Yep. And I'm – were you shocked? I was a little surprised it wasn't a game misconduct. Like, a little Well.
0: Bit. I wasn't shocked because the way that J.D. was explaining it is, for some reason, in 1994 you couldn't get a game misconduct for boarding.
1: That's so silly.
0: I, I don't I don't understand why like that specific penalty would prevent you from getting a game misconduct. But the way the way John Davidson explained it in the moment was, for some reason, the way they called that penalty they couldn't enforce a game misconduct on Mark Messier. Mark Messier Makes tries no to
1: go to the locker room, but it's five minutes and 46 seconds left in the in the period at that point in time. So they say, no, no, stay in the penalty box and get yelled at by the fans for five minutes. So he does just that. And then uh, the period ends with the Rangers down to nothing. It's a pretty brutal period, especially if you're a Ranger fan.
0: The Canucks, the Canucks, for the most part, dominated the period. I know at one point, Sam and JD mentioned that the shots were even, but again, they pointed out how it didn't feel like the Rangers even had that many shots on goal. And it felt like the entire period was spent with the Rangers defending in their own zone. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I mean, here's the list of Rangers that took penalties in the first period. And you're going to notice how important each one of these guys are. Yeah. Jeff Bookaboom for high sticking, Adam Graves for holding the five minute major to Mark Messier for boarding. And then Essa on the penalty kill got two minutes for roughing. Yes. So like at the, your foremost four of your more important penalty killers all spend time in the penalty box and it's a, it's incredible that they only gave up one power play goal and on the five on three they didn't yeah. give up a goal at all
1: well richter I, I i think this is in the second period maybe when he makes five saves in a row and yeah there's
0: there's there's a period where uh for a solid 15 seconds it's just sam rosen save saying save richter, richter.
1: Save richter, save richter. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't
0: change up the wordage the verbiage at all every time he's just going stay
1: by richter it's like all right <laughs> Yeah, it was incredible. Um, so let's get to the second period. Rangers down two nothing. Um, on the road, just got beat up the last game, but did win. And what happens? Brian Leach comes out and puts his team on his back, because now it's the he Brian just, Leach show. He, he whips it
0: out. He does. Yeah, he whips it out. The
1: rest of this game is the Brian Leach show. Full stop. End story. He comes out and scores a goal. Um, which is this the is this the goal where he just chucks it in? I think it's no. It is yes. Where he kind of just like takes a slap shot. And it just like somehow magically goes in like McLean. I mean, it
0: was, it was a nice, it was a nice play by Leach sets up the entire play by creating the turnover mm-hmm. in the, in his own zone. And he give, uh, allows Craig McTavish to take the puck in from there. But the play is really made by Joey Koser, who just charges to the net like a fucking madman. Yep. And I think he spooked Kirk McLean a little bit.
1: He was having a tough, so, tough couple days here.
0: Yeah. So I think, I literally think Koser scared McLean into a, it, it's a great shot from leach for it to get through all those bodies. But I coaster isn't credited for getting an assist on this goal. I think Joey Koser is as much responsible for that goal as Brian Leach was.
1: So then we get to the power play late in the second period. Um The period is pretty uneventful. There's some Doug Lister penalties and the penalty kill is like tremendous by the New York Rangers. Just like an absolute monster. Um, and Richter continues to make a ton of dazzling saves, including the five in a row that has to haunt Vancouver fans at this point. But then there's a power play uh, well, where
0: oh. well, I, I, you're, you're, uh, you're missing, you're missing the big one here, which is up two to one. Brian Leach of all people commits a penalty on Pavel Bore charging to the net and it leads to the oh, world's I, most famous I am missing, penalty save.
1: I am missing the big one. This is the big yeah.
0: one. Because it's it, it's important to remember the score of the game at the time. The Rangers were down two to one. Yep. You got to remember who was pe- who was penalized. It was Brian Leach tripping a penalty Powell on Burry. Pavel Bore. Yep. Leading to the attempt. And Mike Richter. I've, everybody's seen it millions of times by now, but I. I still
1: don't know how Richter is that flexible to make that save. It's funny because Sam is like, uh, he's like, oh, maybe old JD would have made that one. And he's, uh, JD says, you'd have to take a crane to pick me up if I made that save.
0: Yeah, uh, it's it's an incredible save. And it, it flips the entire game. If the Rangers are down 3-1 at that point, I don't think, maybe they come back because this team has fought back before. But you can just tell that. The entire air came out of the Canucks below Oh, the Rages. The Rangers team
1: is pumped when Richter makes that save. Brian Leach goes over and sellers right away. He's like, you know, so I'm so sorry. That was you could tell Brian Leach Brian Leach is just he doesn't have like the personality, but he's like definitely a respected and tremendously respected person on the squad. Yeah.
0: Brian Brian Leach somehow has less personality than Pavel Buchnevich. Uh Pavel is,
1: is, Pavel is like quirky though, in a weird way.
0: Yeah, but when Pavel's on the ice, he's just like. Yeah,
1: he's, he does make that like, face. It's, like a, it's, it's kind of funny when he makes that face. Brian just like looks like a vanilla ice cream cone, dude. Like He just, <laughs> he just is. He has one expression. It's not funny. It's not. There's no emotion. There's nothing about it. Just Brian, just, Brian Leach constantly looks like a man that's out of
0: breath despite never being out of breath.
1: Despite never, never, ever, ever running out of turbo button. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So uh, late in the second period, they go on the power play uh, thanks to a Greg Adams boarding call. And uh, was that the one they throws Kevin Lowe into the – maybe it is. I'm not sure. No, I think that's a roughing later on. That was from Martin uh, – Glennoness? I can't say it. Gelina. Um, Gelina. There you go. Wow, Ryan. Oh, we got one. Glenines? Got one Glenines. in. <laughs> uh, got... First of all, it's spelled G-E-L-I-N-A-S. Dyslexia, yeah. bro. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, You're terrible. I am. Yep. You want to <laughs> – what? Read, it.
0: Before before we break down the Zubov goal, read the name of the person who committed a penalty at four minutes and forty eight seconds into the third period.
1: Uh, four minutes forty eight seconds. Oh no! <laughs>
0: they say it on the broadcast, so you have to be able to say it.
1: Uh, I can't. You know that Jirick Lumi? No. Yeah, I know. No. Yeah, I watched the game. I swear, I did. I, unbelievable! <laughs>
0: you're 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 unbelievable.
1: I I just I don't retain this stuff, and I don't know why it is. I can't. I'm sweating. It's probably because the AC's off. and <laughs> <is.
0: stuff>. Ash. <laughs> Incredible. All right,
1: so Zubov gets a pass from uh, Mark Messier across the ice, who's set up by Brian Leach at that point, and puts a goal in. Uh, and that, now, now the game, we have a game. It's two-two. And that's the yeah, only... but Zubov
0: Zubov does something that I don't know if I've ever seen since the fake shot. He like, yeah, he like, he pumped fakes. Yeah, he pump mid fakes. slap shot. Yeah, it's dope. I it, agree. He just like. I understand why he does it and they explain on the broadcast he does it to basically allow adam graves to get better positioning in front of the goal and once again it seems like kirk mcclain is just afraid when any whenever anyone stands in front of him mm-hmm. but he go he raises up his stick to shot and then he just he brings it down halfway and then just raises it again i've never seen someone pump fake like that so vividly and it still it's a beautiful shot but i i Props to Sergei Zuboff. And once again, the Rangers are stupid for trading him.
1: Agree. So we get to the third period now, and the Rangers take quite a amount of uh, – it's it's even in penalties, but I feel like the, the penalties the Rangers took were a little bit more dangerous in in this um, this period. At one point, Mark Messier slashes a guy across the face by like, chest as he's falling down, takes his uh, stick and puts it right on a guy's chin. Um, yeah.
0: And the New York Rangers have always been a team that likes to put six men on the ice when they're not allowed to. It's good to see that come up in 1994 as well.
1: It's, it's <laughs> a tradition unlike any other. Um, so this, this period up until the 15th minute is still a tied game. It's tight. Then the play from Brian Leach happens. Do you want to break this down? Because it starts at the other end of the ice.
0: Yeah. It's funny that Sergei Zubov gets credit for an assist. It's weird, isn't it? I, well, it's not weird. He just gives the puck to Brian Le- Leach skates through three zones on his own.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. It's basically everything that Pavel Bore did to the Rangers in game three, and Brian Leach just does it to them. The difference is it's, you know, it's Brian Leach. It's not like we expect that from Pavel Bore. and I guess we should expect that from Brian Leach. He goes through three defenders, and he just, Kovalev is just skating alongside him. Nobody's paying Kovalev any mind whatsoever. And Leach just drops him the perfect pass right on the stick. And all Kovalev has to do is flick it. Shoot it! Yeah, That's it. he flicks it top the easiest, shelf. It's the easiest goal I think Alex Kovalev has
1: ever scored in his life because Brian Leach did everything to create that goal, the entirety of it. And then all of a sudden, at the, I McLean has to be shook at this point, right? Like, just I think he's seeing
0: I think he's seeing ghosts. In in the immortal words of Sam Darnold, I, I think Kirk McLean is seeing ghosts. What a quote by point.
1: Sam Darnold. It's gonna be his legacy. Um, at at pretty much the 18 minute mark, Steve Larmer takes a shot. From way downtown, we're talking Steph Curry range. He he's like shooting from half court, and all of a sudden it just deflects off of a Vancouver player uh, to change the direction. But it's still a very very incredibly stoppable puck for any competent goalie, and yet McLean lets it in, just like like totally shook. And that is the end of the game. Like the wind, everyone starts leaving the arena. The Rangers are now up three one in the series. It has been a um. Oh, it's almost a sweep where one pipe hit or goalpost hit away at this point in time from the Rangers sweeping the Vancouver Canucks. And yet, Gregory, we go to seven games.
0: Yeah, it's as good as Kirk McClain looked in the first two games of the series. It looked like a different person in goal. It completely, I don't know if he got the yips after those goals in game three. I don't know why Pat Quinn didn't try to get him a mental break in game three when that game was out of hand. I, I, I have no idea I but it that dude was just shook by the time the third period came around um, in this game he he was out of, he was out of sorts I don't know if I've ever seen someone climb so high and fall so hard in such a quick span as I did Kirk McLean in this series and yeah I, I think it's important to note that um, if, if you believe in jinxes whatsoever it's John Davidson at the end of game four, who's saying Ranger fans. Now you can start believing it's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If only you knew how the next two games would go. You know, people, people who give Gary Thorne crap for saying you can forget about 1940. Um, also shout out to the Canucks fans. It took them two games to remember to chant 1940 uh, Sam, and, Sam and JD point out that they were critic. Canuck fans were criticizing the Edmonton Oilers in game three for some reason, uh, that's like a. That's like something yeah, I would they, do they during a say, Mets watch, Royals. Watch your life. Yeah, which, that's like me. Yeah. That's like me during the Mets Royals World Series, starting like a Phillies suck chant. I don't understand it. Um, yeah, Canuck fans. Not a great showing from them. A lot of air horns for some reason also, that I don't understand.
1: There's one more thing I want to I want to point out. I want to know if you noticed this. There was one time where they were on the penalty kill, I believe, or something maybe it was a power play, or it was going to be a power play, and they started playing what would be a typical power play song, but it was, like, instead the creepy clown horn version. Like, I don't know why they, they did also, that. They also, at one point, played the can-can.
0: Weird. Like, I, I like na 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 I was just like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. I, I know weird. it's 1994, but we have better music. Uh, literally anything but this. I don't understand who they're trying to fire up with this kind of music. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. that. Canuck fans didn't exactly separate themselves from the pack in they, this uh, two-game showing.
1: They did not. All right, we'll be back next week with a. Uh, what I'm assuming is, <laughs> I've done the math, Rangers losses. Uh, before we come back two weeks from now with, with Game 7. Hey, we might not even come back two weeks from now with Game 7. We might take a week off suspense if there's anything that happens during the week with, you know, the Rangers' actual playoffs. So we'll s- stick to the schedule and we'll see what goes on. But next week will be Vancouver Games 5 and 6, which uh, I'm excited to break down because it's it'll be interesting to see how the Rangers lose this tremendous lead that they have. Very Rangers-esque. All right, follow me on Twitter at O'RyanMeat. follow Greg at Bullshit's Break. We'll be back next week. Go Mets. Bye.